When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Hey, everyone. Mad Max here, and I want to tell you about DGen gear. What's that? You've already heard me talk about DGen gear? You know about it already? Then shame on you for not buying it yet. You could be draping yourself in near eliteness or covering your own Zeke physique with a shirt made just for you. Head over to AbsoluteDegeneracy.com, click on the DGen shop icon, buy our gear, keep the lights on around here, and go full DGen. Absolute sports betting degeneracy. Hey everybody, Arch here, and I've got a special returning guest, Chris. What's going on, Chris? Hey, it's uh, good to be back. Thanks for having me. Uh, hello to the Absolute Degenerates. Yeah, we're here to talk a, a little bit deeper about predicted outcomes runs because yes, sir. you've been you've been playing around with it a little bit since we talked what, a week ago. Yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, so I was just looking at a couple of factors to see if maybe I had missed something in the formula based yeah. on some extra base hits that we're seeing when we see back to back extra base hits in games. Luckily, I had not overlooked anything that changed the algorithm. I do have a couple of. Uh, um, what I call secondary statistics or secondary data points that I use for my eff player effectiveness ratings, which I'll talk a little bit more about that later. Um, but those did not impact the algorithm itself. So what I did with that information was I started looking at what were the box scores of each team and the teams that I wanted to sort of trial bet because I'm not a better. I want to tell your audience, I made my first bet right. the other night. First <laughs> ever. Uh, I've played the lottery twice in my life, and I have now bet once in my life. Uh, so, well, you jumped um, in with a parlay too, Chris, right, yeah, right, right, right yeah. out of the gate. Yeah. You know, well, you go big or you go home. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's one of those instances where if you believe in the algorithm, and I believe in it a lot, then you jump in with both feet and you, you see where you land. So I took, took some teams. And I looked at how they had performed over the previous three games. If my uh, algorithm predicted their previous three games within an average of one run for each game, then I was like, okay, that's a team that I can predict what they're doing right now. And so I took three games that sort of met that criteria, and I parlayed a bet with uh, $25 down. 
And I walked away in with an, including my original $25, $186. And I'm taking <laughs> the wife and daughter to a nice uh, Saturday dinner. So hey. we're going to go have a nice dinner. That's good enough. That's good enough so for a lot of people. I mean, for a, it's a hobby that you can get paid doing like that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I can't complain. So, okay. You take three games. That's, mm-hmm. that, that's our roving window. That's what we think. You don't think four. You don't think five. You think three. Well, here's here's the issue that I will tell you. I had a buddy at my work. Yeah. Uh, he he watched me do this, and he actually mirrored my bet that day. And he got a little greedy. He asked uh. me the next day. He said, "Okay, I'm going to put this back in, and I'm going to go four games." And I said, "Well, you know, you can do that, but four games just increases the odds." So at 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 a three game yeah. parlay that I had, we were at like six and a half to one odds. Right. Right. So so that was incredible, and he he stretched that out. And I think he got two out of the four games. Mm. So I don't think he would have won even if he had just stayed with three. But I really got to say, once you start stretching that too far, uh, there's so many variables. That, I mean, that his, historically, what you're looking at is a three-game average, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. You think that's more accurate? You think that's the sweet spot as opposed to I, four games, maybe five? Oh, yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. I thought you were talking uh, about the, the betting on the... Yep. You're talking to the guy that tells people not to parlay, though. So <laughs> Okay. Yeah. Well, here's here's what I'll tell you. Yes. Three games is the way to go. Um, what I worry about when I started looking uh, at a longer or larger sample size, so over a longer period of time, was that you start to, to lose those streaks that players are on. Um, so if a guy gets called up, Royals had a guy that they had called up and he was tearing it up, Edward Olivares. Uh, they just sent him down two days ago. So, mm-hmm. you know, you, you start stretching out five, six, seven games, you're going to be including his numbers when the reality is he's not even on the team right now. Okay. So we're looking at three games and you're not, you're not talking about who's going to win. You're, t- you're looking at totals, right? Absolutely. All I care about is that total over under. And uh, if I can keep that around a run, then I, I feel confident, you know, based on who's starting for that night that you can make a reasonable, you know, you're, you're going to certainly make a better, you know, uh, bet than you would if you didn't use this information. So we generate both teams offense. We, we know what that's looking like. What about pitcher? How how are you specifically analyzing pitchers? Are you going deep? Are you are you just looking at ERA? You looking at XERA? I'm a I'm a big fan of looking at ground ball rate too to kind of. I will tell you, and I am so glad you said ERA. Uh, you are you are setting this uh, interview up for me great. Uh, so <laughs> ERA is um, interestingly has about a, a 0.6 correlation with runs. So that that's just shocking when you mm-hmm. think about it. Like people think, well, ERA should be correlated much higher with runs. Well, it's not. It's uh, only about a 0.6. So if I look at all of my 28, what I call secondary data points, which is you take raw data and you're analyzing it by just one step. So it's like I'm just adding to or dividing, whatever that might look like. Um, ERA sort of falls right in that dead middle of like how valuable it is in telling us what runs are. It's just not that valuable. Uh, I would stay away from ERA, XERA, uh, any of the the stats that are derivatives of that. Um, Here's what you want to look at. It's total-based runs. Total-based runs is something that I've created. It's a little bit different than Bill James' base runs. You're taking total bases and RBIs. So for pitchers, that's just total bases and runs allowed. And you take that number divided by their plate appearances. Okay. And that's going to give you kind of a, 
How would you apply that? Just it, it, just a bar- yeah. barometer of how good the pitchers are, or Absolutely. are you actually quantifying this into runs I, or not? I actually am able to. Well, first of all, I can tell you that the uh, correlation between total base runs and runs itself is only beaten by the correlation between RBIs and runs. Of all factors I've ever looked at, the only factor more closely correlated with runs is RBIs. So it's 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 about as tried and true as saying, yeah, this is where runs come from. And as a result, if you just sort of take this from an offensive standpoint or as a pitcher from a defensive standpoint, you're going to know, you know, is this pitcher, you know, somebody that's the last few games especially, is he, you know, doing a good job of keeping those runs down? And to backtrack to something we talked about earlier, you don't really put a lot of credence into ballpark effect. So you don't really put a lot of credence into home and away or you I, do? No. Okay. Not at all. And the funny thing is, is that maybe maybe 50 years ago, certainly 70 years ago, those were bigger factors. You know, professionalism in baseball has gotten to a point where all of these smaller pieces that are talked about as having uh, impacts on the game just don't make a difference in the outcome. Um, you know, weather makes a bigger difference right. than a ballpark factor. So if you got a rainy night, that's going to impact the game a heck of a lot more than, you know, which ballpark you're playing in. Okay. So we run the predicted runs or predicted out. I always have a hard time saying your name. Predicted outcomes runs. Yep. And then compare the two pitchers with your, uh, with your, with your kind of just a barometer. Yep. Total base, total base runs. And uh, if it makes it easier, we can just call the, the formula poor. We poor. just call it poor. Oh well, yep. let's hope that it's it's poured to the sports books and and not to that's us. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Well, that's right. We're going to pour it on the sports books. <laughs> All right. So those are your two factors, right? And then based on that, you think you have a pretty good indicator about over under total. Absolutely, absolutely. Because what what you get with that also is where you really are going to see your value is if you can uh, run those starting pitchers out. And you know, when I go back to talking about the the, the bet that I made where I parlayed. I had a feeling that both the Yankees and Royals that night were going to get into the bullpen. And I knew that getting into the bullpen was going to blow up that run total. So where I was hurting earlier in the night, because those starters had gone so long, once they got to that uh, bullpen, here's an interesting stat. The Yankees that game blew the the save four times in four (laughs) consecutive innings. That's that's an that's an amazing stat, but that yeah. just speaks to the bullpen that I'm talking about. Yeah, they both have bullpen issues, both these teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, well, that's cool. So, that's the. I mean, have you run it any other way? Have you looked at any deeper, like maybe team totals, or is it just just total in the game? You know, um, I have looked at some of those other factors, and that's to me those are stronger ideas if you're wanting to bet in the in the preseason you know and you're looking at mm-hmm. what the season totals are going to be um i i don't think that after after our last conversation i yeah. don't think there is valuable for the day-to-day work okay you say you really you really um think that's for the season so that leads me to a question because we kind of we got a little sidetracked and we didn't get to it I, I, at the beginning of the season let's say i do run your numbers mm-hmm. i have I have a total runs. I think I think we have some actionable data. How would I go about translating that? Translating that to wins? Are we, are we would we run that through a Pythagorean? Because I know you're not crazy yeah. about that. Oh gosh, you know um, what I would encourage you to do is not only take your team's offensive runs. Yes. You need to look at what your team is expected to give up defensively. 
How would we and do that? Because predicted outcome runs doesn't necessarily do that, does it? It can. It absolutely can. Oh, it can. So, so here's the way that I'm actually doing that. I'm doing yeah. uh, some some test values on the the Kansas City Royals throughout their history, yeah. and the way that you can establish that is say you go to any of the, your uh, favorite baseball stat sites, and uh, you simply put in what the pitchers have done. So, for example, we get to that that item in the formula where it talks about errors, you're looking at uh, how many times your defense committed an error while your team was pitching. And that information is all available on baseball reference, by mm-hmm. the way. Yeah. And so we would just put that into the app, mm-hmm. run that. Mm-hmm. And so you'll get what your team should score and then what your team should allow. And then would we run that through uh, Bill James's Pythagorean formula or do you have a different formula? You know, I don't have a formula at this time. Um, if if you have nothing else and your your uh, audience is comfortable with Pythagorean, you know, by all means use it. Um, I'm not not a fan of it personally. I remember what you saying I, that. Yeah. Yeah. What I look at is um, what is that run differential? Yeah. You know, so we we know again going back to something I think I shared with you last time that the run differential since 1901 is right around two runs a game mm-hmm. between. You know um, what that that best team scores and what that worst team scores. So I'm looking at how many more runs am I expecting us to score? Okay. You know, if we're if we're over that two mark, so to speak, then I'm going to say, you know what, I think this team's going to win some more games, and and that's where they get into you know these these luck factors, quote unquote. And, yeah. and I don't I don't really jump into luck factors because luck. That's a that's a one time thing. Again, take the 2014 Royals, Salvi Perez's, uh, you know, game tying hit that he puts down third base line. Yeah, that was luck. Now, if a player was to do that 17 times over the course of a season, that's not luck anymore. Right. I got you. I got you. Yeah. So we'll, we'll test it. We'll test it next season. Well, that's that's the next season problem. We'll test it through with Pythagorean and see what you think. Just okay. just to see. Hey, that sounds good to me. I, I have no competing, uh, you know, formula. So at this point, I, I'm not in a position to to really shoot it down. I guess. But your two game your two game uh, difference is interesting. I think that that could be we could use that too to kind of predict totals. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Two runs a game. That's where it's at. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. I like the three game market because it means that I don't have to look up too much information. (laughs) Yeah, that's great, especially because, you know, um, I I think that even going back, say, say you're looking at a starting pitcher, I wouldn't even go back past his last three starts. That's it. Just three starts for the starting pitcher. I mean, you have you have plenty of data. You know, let's take 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 your average starting pitcher. Three starts. That's 300 pitches. You know, that's that's a good amount of data. And and. 
strength of schedule doesn't play in at all. You're just no, no. no. Okay. I, I mean, that, that's the beauty of baseball. You know, right. it, we're not talking about football where where you do see teams go 16 and and one. I guess is that you know now that we're going to have a 17 <laughs> game season, you know, or, or the the Lions with their perfect losing season. You you just don't see that. I mean, the worst team ever in the history of baseball still wins like 30, 35 percent of the games. Right. Okay. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that you know sure. holding holding the holding like uh, the the pirates scoreless doesn't kind of over over value your uh, pitching stats. Absolutely, okay. yeah. All right. Uh, anything else you you discovered you wanted to talk about? Well, one of the things I did want to talk about yeah. was I'm coming out with my effectiveness ratings tomorrow on mm. Baseball Almanac and the blog, and total base runs that that uh, uh, secondary data point that I was talking about is one of the key indicators for describing player effectiveness. So here's a teaser for your audience: mm. Salvador Perez was the most effective American League player in 2020. Really? Yes, he was. Hmm. And he was ranked 17th in MVP voting. I'm fascinated by that. Yeah. It, what, and it, what it speaks to, because here's the beauty of it. When I punch in this effectiveness score, it, 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 it removes any sort of like uh, emotion that I have from liking or disliking the player. You just get the score that spits back out to you. And and there's no correlation to war. I love that too because <laughs> you hate war. I know you. Hate I war. do. I do. And so it's it just sort of shows me, and I'm seeing it season over season. I've I've run five seasons so far, mm -hmm. uh, 2021 back through 2017. Uh, I will hopefully over the next six months to year run all seasons back to 1876. But it does it does take time. Right. Uh, but uh, the the. It's the, the data is so stable. We're seeing uh, guys that are ranking at the top of effectiveness ratings. They're they're scoring consistently in certain categories, and the same thing for players ranking near the bottom. So when I start seeing scores sort of in either of those directions, then I know ah, I'm already uh, I'm already hitting on a guy that is vastly over or underrated. And uh, I don't want to give away too much, but that's sort of what the basis of tomorrow's blog piece will be about in Baseball Almanac. And this is the, the key that I want your audience to know. This is the only metric where you'll be able to directly compare pitchers and batters. because For, for, the, value, for the value they bring to the table. Absolutely. There is no other way that does this because what, what's beautiful about this formula the, the two formulas are a yin and yang. They truly are the inverse of one another. So the, the batter effectiveness formula is correlated with runs at about 74%. And the pitcher effectiveness formula is correlated with runs at a negative 74%. And they use the same inputs in the formula, either as a positive or a negative. Okay. Okay. And, and this, this formula will be on the, in the post. Absolutely. Yep. It's going to be all available. And uh, hopefully I'll get the calculators up to, you know, let people play around with that on their own soon. If I get them up tomorrow, that's great. I may have to wait a couple of days to get those calculators up, just cleaning up some of the, the details around that. You'll be posting all this on Twitter too. 
Absolutely. What's Absolutely. your Twitter? Let's get what's your Twitter handle? Let's get Absolutely. S Christopher M I one. I didn't choose it. Uh, you know, it, Twitter spits that out at me and I'm not uh, anywhere near uh, famous enough. In fact, I'm I'm sort of not famous uh, that uh, they just said this is this is what you got unless okay. you want to buy one. Oh, OK, well, we got it. And there'll be a link to your Twitter feed in the description yep. so we can Great. keep that. I'm really curious to see this effective. Uh, formula oh, it's, come up with. yeah, it's, it's beautiful. Uh, it, to me, that was, this was the whole thing I actually started doing before I ever even did the runs algorithm. And I had to stop doing this to create the runs algorithm that allowed me to go back to this because I, I was, I was so tired and frustrated with seeing these, these player metrics that just don't correlate with what matters in baseball. Is it offensive? You said Salvi is, the most uh, efficient offensive. Does this d- apply to defense at all? I'm actually no? glad you said that. This is gonna this is gonna rub some people the wrong way. Oh, of course, defense matters, oh, but no. not nearly to the level that people think. And take a guy like Ozzie Smith, the quote unquote best defensive player of all time, for being the best defensive player of all time, even by using WAR, even using the you know, completely flawed statistic that that is <laughs> only half of his value came from defense. It just is amazing. Defense just doesn't matter. Here's why. Every player is above the threshold for that barrier to entry. We're not talking about having Jason Giambi or Bill Buckner at first base. Okay. Those guys don't play anymore. They just would be sort of, you know, rooted out. Think of uh, Billy Butler for the Royals, you know, (laughs) country breakfast or whatever his name. Yeah, that was was it. Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, there was a reason they put that guy at DH. They didn't want him on the field. And so teams are well aware of that. It doesn't mean that you can have no defenders out there, but you don't have to have these overpaid defenders. So if a guy is reasonably sufficient at defense, let him make errors. That's part of the game. Errors don't hurt you the way that people think they do. The worst team in baseball commits one more error every two and a half games than the best team. And it takes three errors to score a run. So, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, what is the worst thing you can do in baseball? What is the absolute worst thing? Absolutely. I'm glad you asked. Mm-hmm. Um, there are two. Uh, it's a double play or it's a sacrifice fly. Uh, yeah, the sack fly. We're back to that. <laughs> yep. Oh, sack fly is it's garbage. In fact, uh, as another teaser, that's one of the pieces that is in the effectiveness ratings. So pitchers in this effectiveness rating and and I didn't choose the the metrics or the the data points that went in there. I let the formula choose it. So I plugged in all different variables and I looked at how those moved uh, the formula either towards runs or away from runs in terms of that correlation and standard deviation value. And one of the things that the formula kept spitting back to me was the importance of sack flies as a value for pitchers and a negative value for hitters. Hmm. So let's just recap real quick. You think stealing is optimal. Absolutely. You, you hate triples. Uh, yeah. I mean, they're, 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 they're fun. They're really yeah. cute to watch. 
Uh, you hate sack flies. You hate yep. you hate bunts. Oh God! Defense is overrated. You've yep. got a long. You got a, a big hill to climb. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there's a reason why uh, I am on radio silence. I, you are my lifeboat. Uh, yeah. You know, if I didn't have you, I'd have nobody. Yeah. Well, I enjoy talking to you. I, this is all interesting to me, and some of what you say actually, I I do believe in. So, uh, you know, when we look at the effectiveness rating, maybe you'll make me a 100 percent true believer. Well, I hope so. You know what? I hope I write well enough that uh, you can make sense of what I'm saying and and buy into what I'm trying to sell here. Because the truth is, I'm convinced I won't actually ever use any other metrics until somebody mm. can demonstrate to me where these are wrong, because I've yet to see comparing other metrics to this, how they're wrong at all. Yeah, okay, so you've got that. Have you ever thought about going on the offense, like showing people, like starting, you know, Khrushchev styles, banging your shoe on the table, showing everybody why war is a flawed stat? Well, I am actually doing that ever so gently through these pieces. I want to I want to be gentle with Bill James because I have a lot of respect for him. And and Bill James is not some blowhard. I I, right, I want right. people to to know that. This is a guy that's humble. He goes out and he says, "Hey, all I'm trying to do is advance the knowledge of the game, which I agree with. That's all I want to do too." And and so with that sort of understanding, it's not really right to, to beat him up because all he was trying to do was use the data that he had at the time. He didn't have, you know, modern computers. Um, my iPad, my iPhone, my MacBook, they're all more powerful than anything that uh, people had access to 40 years ago. So, of course, they didn't have the opportunity to tear the data apart the way I can tear it apart now. My position is now that we have these tools, why aren't we using them? Right. Well, Good luck, Chris. <laughs> I appreciate it. I'll keep I'll keep getting your name out there. Hopefully, somebody somebody picks it up and we get you the uh, you know we get you the respect. I appreciate that. Thank you. And uh, I would love to answer any questions. I had one of your one of your uh, fans actually uh, send me a message on the Absolute Degenerates app, and I was able to say, "Hey, uh, you can do this instead." And so I hope I'm able to help your fans more than I hurt them. Oh, there you go. Well, that's cool. Hopefully, it wasn't too lewd or had too many curse words in it. Or, you know. No, I hey, I uh, I curse like a sailor. Okay, so. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Our audience is a bunch of animals, I think, sometimes, Chris. That's so, right. Okay. <laughs> All right. Any final thoughts? Anything we need to know? Um, just keep, you know, keep an eyes on the Twitter feed. Huh? Keep your eyes on the Twitter feed. Look for those effectiveness ratings because some of these names are going to shock you. Some of them you're going to say, yeah, that makes sense. The the um, the analogy I make in the writing uh, is what uh, Justice Potter Stewart said in 1964 when he was talking about pornography. I know it when I see it. Well, <laughs> You know, that's sort of what we say about effectiveness. I know it when I see it, but we're wrong so much of the time. Hmm. Gotcha. So we'll be able to quantify it after tomorrow. Absolutely. Fantastic, Chris. I'm sure we'll be talking again soon. I'll have Sounds more good. questions. Sounds good. Uh, take care, everybody. Thanks again. And I hope you guys enjoyed this. Information on this podcast may not be construed to offer any kind of investment advice or recommendations. Under no circumstances will the owners, operators, or guests of this podcast be held responsible for damages related to its contents. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, 
You can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.